was obvious the kids loved to shine. <laughs> Our scripture, the first scripture reading this morning is from the ninth chapter of Isaiah. We'll be reading verses two through seven. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for fire. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Prophecy is a word that many of us have heard many times and used in a lot of contexts. And many people think that it is merely just telling the future. But really, especially in the scriptural sense, it is much more. It is the unveiling of God's plan and his design in this world. Now, sometimes biblical prophecy does involve telling what is about to occur in the future. But yet it is always in the context of God's purpose. Sometimes it reveals the heart and the mind of God with an admonition to seek him earnestly. Other times it's a warning to turn from sin and wickedness and to walk a life of obedience. Now, for centuries, there have been many, many promises and prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. We have the promise of a deliverer, one who would set God's people free. These prophecies go all the way back to the entrance of sin into humankind. Even then, they tell of one who will subdue the deceiver and rule victoriously. Now, the dozens of prophecies concerning the Messiah, the odds of one individual fulfilling only 17 of them was 480 billion by one, times 1 trillion. And for one man to fulfill 48, the odds are 10 to the 157th power. I don't think anybody would take those odds to that place over on 97. <laughs> Yet Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled them all. More than 300 prophecies concerning the coming Messiah were all focused on the man Jesus. Now they accurate, accurately predicted his lineage, his place and time of birth, his childhood, his ministry, even concerning the details of his last week here on earth. His death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Indeed, the details of these prophecies are more than we have time to recount here. So today, on the first Sunday of Advent, we light the prophet's candle, commemorating the promises of a Messiah and the prophets, the men who faithfully spoke the word of God to bring us words of hope and encouragement. 
As you remain seated, would you join together in singing the Advent carol, Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Scripture reading for the Bethlehem candle comes from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. And they say, But you, Bethlehem, Phratha, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord 
and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. time of word, I think, this time of word, this time of year, the word peace, I think, is sometimes one that doesn't come to our minds. We're so busy running around, going to maybe different parties, getting presents, getting those types of things. I know I was out early Friday morning after Thanksgiving, and, you know, it wasn't very peaceful. You heard of people getting in fights, of cops being called, and, you know, this is the time where we should remember peace. Last night, my family, we watched together the, the movie, The Nativity Story. And out of all of the hustle and bustle of everything going on in that movie, and just all of the people having to go to their different towns to, for the census and all of that, the scene that probably hit me the most was right after Christ was born, the shepherds came. It was just like there was a calmness, and the shepherds were there kneeling before him, and there was just a peace that was there, and everything that was quiet Nothing else was going on. No one was concerned about every, anything else except about Christ. And there was just a peace there. 
when we look at the scripture that was read this morning out of Micah, there's just two things I take from that that can help us this season to remember that peace is so important part of it. The first is Bethlehem was promised, even though you are small, a great ruler is going to come out of you. And that encouraged them as a city. It gave them peace knowing that, you know what, someone great is going to come out of our town. It's the same for us. Sometimes we think, you know, maybe we're not that great of a person. Maybe we're insignificant. But with God, he can do great things through you. And that should give you a peace. The second is just the end of those verses where it says, and he was their peace. As you go through the season, you may think giving presents, getting presents, being here, being with family is what gives you peace. But in the end, the only person that can truly give you peace is Christ. And that's what we need to concentrate on, not only this season, but throughout the year, because truly he is the one that gives you peace. As we light the second candle of our Advent, I just encourage you to remember how the angels told the shepherds, peace on earth. And just don't forget that gift of peace that God gives us. The world can't give it to us. The world can't take it away. It is truly only from God. Again, as you remain seated, join together in singing the carol once in Royal David City. Once in Royal David City.
The scripture for the shepherd's candle is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, <clears throat> keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. <clears throat> he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Just an ordinary night shift for a small band of shepherds. No doubt they were just doing the normal things that shepherds do. Tending their sheep, warming themselves by the fire, and swapping shepherd tails. All the while their eyes riveted on the darkness beyond, trying to catch the first glimpse of a predator before it could attack the flock. It was a night like any other. But then suddenly, it was no wild animal that appeared, but an angel, surrounded by a light brighter than anything they had ever seen. Do not be afraid, the angel said. I bring you good news of great joy. The angel could have announced good news of great love or of great peace. Either one would have been appropriate, but he didn't. He announced good news of great joy. Why is that significant? Would it surprise you to know that the word for joy comes from a Hebrew word meaning to leap or to spin around with pleasure? Of all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on, joy demands an outburst of expression. The birth of Messiah is reason to celebrate, to jump up and down, and for those who are able to turn cartwheels of delight, to let everyone around us in on the news. The shepherds certainly didn't let any grass grow. After having found the Christ child and worshipped him, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The psalmist wrote, I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The report from your doctor is not quite what you had hoped, and you are tempted to despair. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. A relationship has begun to unravel, and all hope seems lost. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. A besetting sin has you by the throat, and you fear victory will never come. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. The third candle is the pink candle, representing the joy of the shepherds as they shared in the birth of Christ. Joy has come, a light in the darkness. Will you stand to your feet and with joy sing the carol, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, the Lord. 
reading for the fourth candle comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This fourth candle reminds us of the Father's great love for us, shown in sending the gift of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer, the one we love because He first loved us. This is the greatest love story ever told. God so moved with love for us that He would send His Son to redeem His people. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. 
In His love, He didn't ask of us anything. He didn't demand of us. He didn't force us to do anything. His love for us didn't demand a reply. His love is unconditional. His love is unmerited. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's love. And there's nothing that we can do to remove the love of God from us. His love simply compelled Him to act. He gave. We receive. These shepherds saw for themselves the glory of God and widely made known the story of Christ. These shepherds, with a bad reputation for storytelling, told this remarkable story and people marveled at it. They were amazed. They went back to their ordinary lives, changed people. They went back glorifying God for what they had heard and what they had seen. What they saw and what they heard was God's love manifested to them, to all, to us. God's love took on flesh. Jesus Christ, born to us, the begotten Son of God, given to us. You see, love is active. It is not still. And it is not silent. God moved. God responded. He sent. He gave. He was heard. From a manger to a cross, to the right hand of the Father, God demonstrated His love to us through Jesus. That was His move. This Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, what's our move? We light this candle as a reminder of God's compelling love for us. He loved, therefore He gave. Once again, would you stand and join in singing the carol, Hark! The Herald Angels Sing.
The Gospel of our Lord Jesus according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Recently, while thumbing through a, a lovely coffee table book full of Renaissance art, I came upon a famous painting that I had been introduced to as a college sophomore. I remember it well, that art history class at 1 p.m. right after the lunch hour. The effects of a heavy lunch and the darkened room made the perfect environment for a brief afternoon nap. But that particular day, I was alert. And the professor flicked on the projection screen a picture of Rembrandt's painting entitled The Adoration of the Shepherds. It was painted in 1646. It depicts the vision that Rembrandt, in his conception, believes that the shepherds would have had as they came to Bethlehem to see the baby Jesus. I'm sure that it's hard for you to, to make out the various components of this fantastic piece of classic art. The painting is dark because it's a night scene uh, that appears to take place in a cave or a barn. Rembrandt was intentional in his design in this painting. The dark tones will force your eye into the center of the painting so that you will study the images of his work carefully. In the center of the painting is the baby Jesus lying in a feeding trough. Mary is by his side. Joseph is not far away. The shepherds are gathered round. You would expect shepherds to be in Rembrandt's painting because, after all, the name of the painting is the Adoration of the Shepherds. 
The shepherds are there, and so are their sheep. They could not leave their sheep outside in the fields, so they brought them to the barn with them. If you look into the gloom, the dark gloom of this picture, to the right, there is a rickety ladder that leans against the shadows of the barn's crossbeam. Next to that ladder is a rooster. And if you study the painting long enough, you discover that the ladder and the barn's crossbeam make the dim outline of a Roman cross. And the symbol of the rooster, a symbol of the betrayal of one of Jesus' closest friends in a crucial moment. Even in this joyous moment of the birth of a baby, the cross of Christ looms over Jesus. But it seems to me that as you study this painting, that the most significant feature of this particular piece of art is its light. The tremendous way that Rembrandt has depicted the light. Unlike other artists of his day, Rembrandt didn't paint Jesus as an angel with a halo over his head. Instead, he chose to paint the baby as he really was, a real human baby. And all is dark in the painting, except for the baby in the manger. And the interesting thing is, and it takes close study, but the interesting thing is that the light is not shining on the baby, but instead the, sh- the light is shining out from the baby. This was Rembrandt's intentional way of saying that truly all hope and all light shines from the baby Jesus who came to lighten up our darkened world. John said it in our Scripture text just a moment ago, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines. Like the children sang, the light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not comprehend it. But for those of us who have been called by the sovereign God, elected to receive His wonderful grace, our hearts and our minds have been illumined, and we do comprehend this marvelous gift of God in Jesus. And we give witness to the fact that in our darkest moment, that the Lord Jesus moved in and He brought light into our darkness. Joseph Moore wrote the words. Franz Gruber, a German church musician, wrote the music to the much-loved carol that we sing every Christmas time. It reminds us of light shining in our darkness. Listen to Moore's words once again. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from Thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord at Thy birth. Jesus, Lord at Thy birth.
And so on Christmas Eve in our church and in our homes and again on Christmas Day and the entire week of Christmas, we should bring our Advent wreaths to full blaze as we light the central candle that symbolizes the Lord Jesus Christ, His central position to be Lord of our lives, the white demonstrating the purity of His life, and the full blaze reminding us that He is the light of the world. As you remain seated, let's worship this One who is the light in our darkness. Isn't He beautiful? Isn't He wonderful? Worship Him together. Isn't He Oh. 